I am super excited for the word tonight. Go ahead and like high five three people on your way down just so you get acquainted with the people around you. Awesome. I'm excited for the word. I feel like it's a very timely word, but I feel like it's a very challenging word. I was very challenged by it today, but it's also a very empowering word. So I'm excited to get into this with you. I was watching a a show last week, and it was, in fact, a Hallmark movie. But before, everybody's hating. Just, you guys don't know how spiritual Hallmark really is. There's some holy things that come from it. And I'm going to preach on it tonight, and then you'll all go watch a Hallmark. (laughs) Okay, so I was watching this movie last week. And this girl, she, gets, she decides she wants a dog. So she never had a dog before. She goes and gets a dog. And uh, she's telling this, this trainer, he said, oh, you know, we do training lessons. So if you want to learn to train this dog, she didn't get a puppy. She adopted a, a big dog. And uh, he said, so if you want training lessons, we can set those up. You get so many free um, because you adopted a dog today. And she's like, no. I choose to take the love approach, and I just want to love on this dog. I just want to, I don't really want the disciplinary measures, but I I just want the dog, and I want to have a relationship with the dog. And he's like, all right, you know, fly at your own risk, whatever you want to do. And so she leaves. Well, then she ends up deciding that she wants some help with this dog. So she gets back with this trainer, and he's helping her with this dog. Well, the scene that stuck out to me is they go to the pet store. And in the pet store, they get in the aisle with all the toys. And he says, I want you to pick a toy out for your dog. And she goes, well, how do I know which one he wants? Why can't he pick it out? And he says, just pick a, pick a toy, any toy you want for your dog. And she said, all right. So she goes through the aisle, and she picks out this toy. And when she gets the toy, he said, all right, and I'm going to pick this toy. And she said, well, why would you get to pick a toy? And he goes, just wait, and we're going we're gonna to watch this out. So they get in the aisle, and they put the dog in the middle. He tells the dog to stay because she can't tell the dog to stay. So he tells the dog to stay. And they go to the opposite ends of the aisle. And he said, when I say go, we're going to shake this toy. And after we shake the toy, we're going to see which way the dog goes and see which toy he wants. And you know what to buy. And she's like, oh, okay. So he says go. She starts shaking the toy. He starts shaking the toy. And the dog runs to her and gets the toy out of her hand. And she's like, ha, told you. I don't need discipline. And so she's kind of getting in his face a little bit. Well, he goes, all right, we're going to trade toys. So they switch toys. And they do the same thing all over again. He goes to one side, she goes to one side, and they start shaking these toys. Well, then again, the dog runs to her and takes her toy. And she goes, well, now I don't know what to buy because he just, he took this toy. Is my dog confused? I don't know what's going on. And he said, what I wanted to show you was he wants whatever you have in your hand because you have a relationship with him. It doesn't matter if my toy's better. It doesn't matter if my toy tastes better. He wants what you have because you're the one with a relationship with him. And that scene stuck out to me because I thought, wow, is my relationship with God like that? Do I look at God and go, I don't care what the world has to offer me. I just want what's in his hand because that's where I have a relationship. Or do I look at what the world has to offer and then try to decide based on what I'm going through, based on how I'm feeling, based on what circumstance I'm facing? Or can I truly say, God, I'm going to choose you every time. I don't care what's offered. I don't care what it costs. I don't care... I want you every time. And so that challenged me. And I, and I prayed about it that night. I'm like, man, these hallmarks are getting holier and holier every week. But <laughs> it really did challenge me because I don't know that I could honestly say that hands down, I automatically am like, oh, I don't care. I'm going with what God said. Because it's not like I'm standing here with two choices. If God was on this side and the world was on that side, that's easy. I could just head in that direction. And, but it's not that way. When we get in life, when we're facing things, when we're going through things, when we're um, in, our, in our workplace or in our schools, it's not that way. We look at it, well, is that what God says or is that what the world says? 
And I mean, based on how I'm feeling, this is just more convenient. God, it's just not a good time right now. Or can we hands down say, I don't care what you got, God, that's what I want because I know only you can give me what I need. And so that's where we're headed tonight. I want to start in Deuteronomy 30. Man, we are awake on a Wednesday night. You guys must have not been out in the sun. (laughs) We're going to start in verse 15. And it says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you will go to possess. But if your hearts turn away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over Jordan to go and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Okay, I love that because he said, I said it before you, but it's our choice. See, we don't serve a God that's going to make the choices for us or we'd all be robots. We, we, We serve a God that wants us to have free will. But as soon as we say yes, as soon as we say, God, I want that, then he's there to help us get to wherever he needs us to go. But we've got to say yes first. So the title of my message tonight is Choose, but it says, I set before you, I called heaven and earth as witnesses, and I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. And I also love the fact that it says, not only for you, but your descendants will be blessed. Not only for you, but for your descendants. So when I'm back, I'm not the dog in the story. I'm a human. But if I was sitting in the dog's position, and the world was on this side, and God was on this side, and I'm back here, every yes that I say to God here not only affects me, but everybody around me and descendants down the line. But in the same token, every time that I reach out and grab what the world wants to offer me, then it does the same. It affects the people around me and descendants down the line. So it goes both ways. So God set before us, we have life, we have death, we have blessing, we have cursing. Both of them are shaking their toys at us. But the key ingredient in the dog story that I said was that the dog had a relationship with its owner. And the key ingredient with us, if we don't know who our God is, then we don't, we don't really know. Maybe that's better. Maybe this is better. I mean, God technically created this stuff on this side, so it's kind of a toss-up. But when we have a relationship with him, we know exactly where to run. We know it doesn't become an option to run to the world. And I want to read a little bit because as I was thinking, God, how, I mean, having a relationship with you I just want to know how good you are. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget what kind of God we serve. Sometimes we forget and we think, I have to live up to these certain expectations and I'm not doing everything right and I'm not perfect and I probably should be a lot farther along than I am and I probably have a little more of a past than I wanted to have and I don't know if God can use me to that fullness. But I just want to look at the God we have. This is without, this is just having a relationship with him. If you want to turn back a couple pages to Deuteronomy 28. And we're going to start in verse 1. And this is simply because we said yes to God. 
This is simply because we said, I want what you have for me at the cost of what the world has for me. That's it. This is not if you are a perfect person. This is not if your life is in perfect order, inside and out. If I go in your house at random times, there's nothing out of order. This is not any of that. This is, you said yes to me. So Deuteronomy 28, and it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I mean, we got a lot of verses left, but just that far. I want God's blessings to overtake me just because I said yes. It's not only, he said, they'll come upon me and overtake me. Because we serve a more than God. You know, coaching basketball, it's pretty good to go get a layup when you're defended. But when you get an and one, that's like game changer. You should like mic drop. And walk off the court. Hey, that's a game changer. That's the kind of God we serve. He's like, mm hmm, and one. And you make your free throw. So it's a winner, okay? Um, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and offspring, and your flocks. Blessed shall your ba- be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face, and they shall come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways. Okay, I haven't been required to do anything yet. This is just because I said yes to God. Everybody tracking there? I haven't even required to say anything. The Lord will, will command the blessing on, your, oh, whoa, on you in your storehouses, and in all which you set your hand to, he will bless. Everything you set your hand to. That didn't say in the church and when you're having a holy moment. It didn't. Sometimes we read the Bible like, so only when I'm being holy, these apply to me. So I guess they don't apply to me. That's not the case. Because you said yes to Jesus, it says everything you set your hand to will be blessed. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. All the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord because you obeyed his voice and took what was in his hand. That's all we have to do. It's so simple. Then all, the, oh, we already read that verse, but it's worth reading again. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of the ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasures, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today, and carefully observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of these words which I command you to the right or to the left, or to go after other gods and serve them. Just because we said yes. Just because when I'm standing here and the world is shaking its stuff and God's shaking his stuff, I chose God. Not because I knew what it was, not because I knew exactly how I was supposed to get there, not because I knew exactly what God's plan for my life was, not because exactly I understand why he's given me what he's given me, not because of any of that. 
but because I have a relationship with my God and this is the kind of God I serve, I'm saying yes. That's where I'm choosing because I know what kind of God I serve. Sometimes we make it so difficult, like, okay, someday I'll choose God, like in seven days when I spend the perfect amount of time praying and reading my Bible, and, and then I can say yes to God and he can use me that day, but if I miss a day, then I have to start over. So I'll give myself three fell weeks so in one month I can finally say yes to God. We laugh, but that's what we do. That's not the kind of God we serve. Like God said, say yes, listen to my voice, and this is what is applied to your life automatically. This is yours. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. Everything you set your hand to will be blessed. You're the head and not the tail, the first, not the last. If we just proclaim that over our life every morning, our lives would look differently. If you just proclaim that over your kid's life every morning, their life would look different. Or that coworker that you can't stand, say that over them. Jesus loves them too. We forget that sometimes. Okay? Say that over everybody that you see. Just try it. One week, you take one of those scriptures, you declare it over your life every morning, your kid's life, your co-worker's life, your boss's life. Maybe he'll give you a day off. <laughs> They're not blessing me going out, only coming in. <laughs> okay, try it. It works. That would change our mindset of life. I set my hands to this and it's blessed. I know it's a computer and it's blessed. And it's going to be amazing when your vehicles stop breaking down. And your stuff at work stops breaking down. And you all of a sudden have supernatural creativity and wisdom to do what you're doing and how to do it more effectively. It's, it's fantastic. Touch the people you don't like because they'll be blessed. That's what it says. It didn't say it had to be a thing. It said everything you touch will be blessed. I'm going to try it personally. Whose wallet needs touched? Let's, <laughs> let's go over to Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Okay, when we're standing here in the middle, we have God shaking his toy on this side and the world shaking the toy on this side. And we got to choose what to say yes to. Okay, this is where it gets kind of difficult because I'm looking at what God has. But just like the rich young ruler, the thing that makes me angriest about that story is he didn't, it wasn't that he got ticked off and left when God told him what to do. It was that he asked what it cost to even be what Jesus wanted him to be. When he came to Jesus, he said, what, what do I have to do to receive eternal life? What do I have to, when I read that, I went, why would you ask what it costs? Like he's dying for you. Why would you ask what it, but, but we do that. How many times do we like, God, I, I want the plan that you have for my life, but what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? Now, we might walk away when we hear the answer, but the fact that we ask, I've asked. Sometimes I have to check myself because I go, I, I want what you have, but what's it going to cost? What do I have to give up? Can I give up the things in my life to live for God? Can I, get, can I, can I say I want God regardless of what, I, what it costs me, regardless of what I have to give up, regardless of what I have to leave behind? See, we don't serve a God that just wants to take everything out of our lives. Those scriptures we read in Deuteronomy 28, they didn't say nothing about taking things away from you. They said everything about blessing you. But sometimes we hold on to those things and God can't bless us because we're holding on to them. God can't bless the things that we allow. It said in the last verse of Deuteronomy, and it said, and do not serve other gods before me. 
and the, and the other gods is idols, which is anything exalted above God. Anything exalted above our relationship with God is an idol. And so anything in my life that I exalt above my relationship with God is an idol. And God can't bless that area of my life. Not because he doesn't want to, because we just read all about of what he wants to bless our life. But he can't because we've exalted that above him. And that's why he can't. So there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Why else? Maybe I have to give up some old habits. Maybe I have to change the way I talk. Maybe my friends and family aren't going to look at me the same if I choose God. If I go wholehearted for him, I don't, I don't, it scares me because I don't know what I'm giving up. And I don't know exactly where I'm going, and I need to understand where I'm going. And so that scares me. So that's what keeps me from, from grabbing that thing that God wants to hand me, and it keeps me over here by the world because I can understand this. And maybe it's that I have too much guilt and shame for the things that I've done that I can't grab hold of what God wants and what God has. Maybe it's because I might have to forgive the person that I don't want to forgive to grab hold of what God has. Maybe it's because right now my finances are awful. And so to reach out and grab what God has instead of staying in this job where the money's at, this is a lot more appetizing right now. Maybe it's right now with, I know God wants my family to, to step out and make this move. I, I know God wants me to step out and take this opportunity, but my family's in a good place. We're comfortable right now. We're rolling. Like, there's no fighting in our house. We're golden. And if I reach out, I feel like that's going to be upset a little bit. I feel like something might happen to that piece. I feel like things might get a little bit hard. All reasons, and you can fill in the blank with, with in your life, maybe that we wouldn't want to reach out and grab that thing that holds us back, because we all have them. I mean, I went through the list for my life today. We all have them. What's keeping me from saying, God, I choose you every time. I don't even know what my options are. I just, I choose God. In children's ministry, it does not matter what lesson you teach. You ask the kids what they learned about today, and what do they say? Jesus. Every time. So at least we teach our children about Jesus. But every time, we could have the coolest lesson in the world, and it's Jesus. Sometimes I'm so frustrated. I'm like, Jonah, Jonah, not Jesus, Jonah, Jesus. On a really good day, it's God. <laughs> but then I wonder, what if that was our answer to everything? Which one are we going to choose? God, Jesus, God. What decision are you going to make today? God. Are you going to be mad at that person? God. How's the finances looking? Jesus. <laughs> what if that was our answer? It sounds silly, I know, but what if that was our answer automatically? I don't need to know what question you're answering. You're asking me because that's my answer. I'm going to grab what Jesus has because he knows what I need. I don't. I know what I feel based on my flesh. I do not know what I need based on what God knows. But that takes that relationship factor. When I need to know, before I know where God's going to be when things are going wrong, I have to know who he is before things go wrong. I'll say that one more time. Before I know where God's going to be when things are going wrong, I have to know who he is before they go wrong. I can tell you how my parents are going to respond to 
everything I do in life. Everything. If I call him and I say, hey, Crystal and I went to a concert and we're just going to go ahead and come home tonight. I know it's 2 a.m. It's not a good idea. And I know exactly what they're going to say. I don't even need to call them. And if I don't call them, then I'm going to get a text that says, don't think about driving home tonight. And I don't know how they know. They're ninjas. But (laughs) I'm 25 years old. (laughs) I'm going to get it. I know how they're going to respond to everything. I know that we're going to be. I know what their answer is going to be when I ask them a question. I know because I know them and I know their character and I have a relationship with them. Is that the way with God? Is that the same way with God? Do I know when I ask God a question how he's going to respond? Do I know where he's going to be when things aren't looking so great? When things, everything seems to be breaking loose and I'm frustrated and I'm depressed and I'm worried and I'm anxious and I'm in fear and I don't understand, do I know where God's going to be? Or have I not established that relationship yet? And that's my challenge. One, that we choose God, but two, we know why we're choosing God. There's so much more. Guys, we serve a God, and i got to get to the rest of my notes eventually, but we serve a God that's so good. So good. And if we can just live with that reality that I serve a good God, then it does not matter what is happening. It does not matter how bad things look because I serve a God that's greater than that. And I serve a God that sees better than what I can see. I serve a God that has a bird's eye view of what's going on. And I serve a God that's going to love me beyond what is happening. That's the goodness of our God. Those scriptures in Deuteronomy, that's the goodness of who he is. That's who we serve, and that's why I serve him. Not so I can get things, because his plans for me are so much better than what I can plan on my own. Of course I'm going to let him do it. It's like, you know, hiring a wedding planner. I don't want to touch the wedding. We're going to hire a wedding planner. That's the same thing with God. I don't know what to do with my life, and I seem to keep messing it up. So I'm going to hire a life planner. So whatever you say, go for it. That's how I choose to live, because that's the God we serve. And then it's fun. It makes living for God so much fun. We make it so hard sometimes. Like, there's all these rules. Man, we went putt-putting this week, and we're walking around the putt-putt course, and there is a rule on every rock. I told Crystal, I don't care how fun this is. There's a rule everywhere, and so I'm just choosing not to have fun. It was like, don't touch the green. Don't swing your club. Don't touch the water. There's chemicals in it. Don't look at the birds. Don't. There was a rule for everything. Like, some of the rules, I'm like, they don't even apply to this course. They just wanted to add another rule because that rock was naked. Like, there's, yeah, there were rules everywhere. And I told Crystal, you know, I'm going to use that to preach because that's how we live in Christianity. There's just a rule on every rock. Oh, God said, don't touch that. God said, don't talk like that. God said, don't do that. Don't put your hair like that. You have a tattoo. What? That's not our God. It's not like the house of rules. It's not the boring putt-putt course. It made it no fun. It was a great time. I lost. I shot like 35 over par, and it was because there were so many rules. I was limited. Yeah. Next time I will win on a ruleless course. But, and then it makes you want to break them. Like, with that many rules, you're like, this screen? What happens if I swing my club? <laughs> it was ridiculous, but that's not our God. We don't serve a God in a bunch of rules. We serve a God that wants us to enjoy time with him. We serve a God that doesn't set a rule on every rock so you can listen to his voice and have a relationship with him. Why you go through? Crystal and I could have made the rules going through there. Like, don't touch the rock. That's a bad idea. I probably shouldn't swing the club because... Sometimes I let it go. And I don't want to yell four on a putt-putt course. And 
Okay, we could have established the rules and have a relationship while we're at it. And that's what God wants to do with us. Then it's fun. Oh, don't swing your club. It's so Shelby, you don't kill people while you're out here. We want them to live. That's, that's why. And so that's how God wants to walk through life with us. And uh, let's go to 1 Samuel 5. And I'm actually, I know I had you turn over there, but that was for your note's sake. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase the story. So the Philistines have this God named Dagon. Okay? And that's who they serve. That's, that's one of those gods that's listed. It's an idol. So if we put this in, how does this actually apply to my life? Because I don't see Philistines or a statue in this room. It's an idol, okay? It's an idol, something exalted above God. So they have this God named Dagon. And they steal the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. Okay, sometimes in our lives, we're like, okay, I'm going to say yes to God. But instead of saying no to this and yes to God, we want to add God to our room of idols already. And that's what the Philistines did. See, they took the Ark of the Covenant, they stole the Ark of the Covenant, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in Dagon's room with all their other idols. And it says they leave and they came back the next morning and Dagon, the statue, is laying on his face. He looks like a, kind of like a human thing, I guess. He had a head and some arms. And he's laying on his face in front of the Ark of the Covenant. So the Philistines are like, hmm, interesting. So they pick him back up. And they leave. They do their whole worshiping thing, and then they leave. Okay? Sometimes, when we decide, I say yes to God, and we try to just add him to our lives, idols aren't going to work out with God. Okay? He's a jealous God. He can't have both worlds. It said, choose. Remember, choose life. Choose death. Don't be lukewarm. Either be hot. Either be cold. We can't choose both. I can't choose to exalt this area of my life and this area of life and just have them all happy in one room. God says, no, I am God. And so, yeah, that thing fell on its face. And sometimes we bring God in our lives and we feel like, ooh, these things are falling on my face or on their face. Sometimes I fall on my face too, but the idol fell on its face. And then they come back the next morning and Dagon is not only on his face, but he's decapitated and both his arms are cut off. Okay, he is broken in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, I say yes to God, and now those idols not only bow down to God, but now they're broken. Okay, we have a choice to make right here, because maybe that's where we're at tonight, that we say, I'm trying the God thing, but all these other things I enjoyed broke down and fell. The Philistines didn't keep the Ark of the Covenant. They took the Ark of the Covenant and sent it away, because they wanted to keep their house of idols intact. They wanted to keep their God intact. And I wonder how many times we take that step and we go, yeah, I want you, God. I want you to move on my behalf. But then some of those things, some of those habits, some of those friends, some of those things we've exalted above God, some of those fall down and crumble. And we're like, oh, shoot, get rid of God. Because I can still see God from here. And I can still say I'm a Christian. And I can still do the right thing. But I'm comfortable with my idols. They don't break when God isn't around. I don't have to confront them when God isn't around. So I send them on their way. So in that choosing yes to God, it's a repeated yes to God. It's a yes to God that, okay, that's crumbling, which means it was probably an idol, which means it's probably something that I tried exalting above my God. Which means it's something that God didn't say, we can't have it. God said, it can't be in replacement of me. And God can't bless what we're doing 
if we have something that's exalted above him. See, if we just add God to our house of idols, he's just another hobby and another thing like everything else in our lives. If people can know you without knowing your God, then he's a hobby, he's not a relationship. If they can have a relationship with you and never know your God, then he's a hobby. I can tell you I knit, and a bunch of you would be really impressed because I am not a knitter. But I can tell you that, and you'd be like, dang. Okay, I'm not a knitter. But I can tell you that being in, having a relationship with me or friendship with me, you don't need to know I'm a knitter. That is not pertinent to the information at hand. It is not important. That's something you can learn down the road. Surprise. But if you know me without knowing God, that becomes a problem. Because he's just another thing that's like, oh, surprise, by the way, I know God. Does every area of our life, do the people at our workplace, do they know us and know God? Do our families know us and know God? Do we try to raise our kids to know God, but they don't know the God that we know? Do we know him? Or is he just an extra God in our room of idols? An extra go-to when we need him? And who, what God do they know? Do they know the living God that you can't help but talk about because of how good he is? Do they know the living God that, I want your God. Do they know the, or do they know the God that, okay, they go to God when they need help. They go to God when this goes wrong. They go to God, which God do they know? The one that I can't live without? Or my emergency contact number? See, people have to fill those out for all of our events. I personally can tell you none of your personal contact numbers or emergency contact numbers because I haven't had to use them. And if that's what God is to us, people don't know that until we got to use it. But when you're a parent bringing your kid to my classroom or to the camp, I know you because I know your kid and your kid has a relationship with you and your kid is attached to you, so I put two and two together. That's our relationship with God. But too often we allow it to be an emergency contact number because we've kind of chosen, but not really. We still want to stay comfortable with this guy's toy, but we also want to play with God's toy. Just in case God's toy doesn't work out, I got this toy that I can reach and grab. Do we see the difference? Instead of saying all in, God, I choose you every time. I don't care. I choose you every time. I have one more scripture I want to read. Let's go to uh, Joshua 24, 13. And the backstory right here, so when we read in Deuteronomy today, um, earlier on this evening, I guess, uh, when we read in Deuteronomy and it said, choose, I set before you life and death. Okay, that's Moses, and he's telling God's people, you have a choice to make. You have to choose. You can't just keep wandering and doing what you're doing. Make a choice. Choose this or choose that. This is the blessing that comes when you choose this. This is the cursing that comes when you choose this. Choose one of them. Okay, this is right before Moses is going to die. Moses dies, Joshua takes over. This now that we're going to read is right before Joshua dies. And in 13 it says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served 
that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, this is Joshua right before he dies. Does that sound familiar? Okay, he's also speaking to God's people. Okay, we are God's people. So both of them speaking the same thing. It's time to make a choice. Can't keep just playing this half in and half in. You can't keep playing the hot or cold game or the lukewarm game. You got to choose. Make a decision. If you want to serve those gods, go for it. If you want to serve me, go for it, but pick one. And I feel like Joshua is, is being a little bit stern here because this, the scripture in verse 13, I hadn't really seen before. I've always read that, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's up in my house like 37 times, but like every other good Christian would have. And, um, but the rest of this, I didn't actually read through. And when I, when I read back through it, and, and that would be a good study to go back and read um, all of Joshua 24 there. But God's telling him, hey, I brought you across the Red Sea. You walked across it, yes, but I'm the one that parted it. And yes, you were in the wilderness for 40 years, and I'm really sorry that was so hard on you, but I gave you food and water and everything else you could need, pizza from heaven, all the time that you were there. Okay? You probably even threw in some, like, cheesecake and sweet tea sometimes, because it's hot out there. It probably wasn't much coffee. It's too hot. But God's going through the entire thing and saying, this is what I've done. 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 Sometimes we forget how God how good God has been to us. Sometimes we forget what he's actually done for us to get us to where we are today. But yet we're still, we're sitting here like the Israelites going, "Uh, which one do I choose? So I feel like this is a little bit bold here, but in verse 13, I want to read it one more time. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. And I thought about that in my life today. Could I have gotten myself here by myself? Nope. And cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat food, or you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves, which you did not plant. Who planted them? Who got me to where I am today? It wasn't me. I mean, I lived and probably messed some of it up, but I'm here. Who did that? I didn't do that. I'm not responsible for, for... getting the relationships that got me this job, that got me this job, that got me through school, that got, that's not, that wasn't me. And when I step back and look at the big picture and go, I could think it was me all day long, but there's no way that I could get through this life without God. There is no way that I could get to where I'm standing today without God. There is no way that divinely orchestrated uh, friendships, that um, divinely orchestrated opportunities, I could not have established those things without God. And when I take a step back and I go, which one will I serve? Kind of makes it pretty black and white for me when I read that and go, I'm eating of things that I didn't plant. I'm living in a, in a, in a city and walking in a land that, that I didn't conquer to get here. That God went ahead of me and prepared it because he knew I'd be standing here today. He knew you'd be sitting here today. He knew what job you'd have today. He knew what family you'd have today. And he orchestrated it way far behind because it says he numbered our days and he knew us before we were even in our mother's womb. And if we're still questioning it, you didn't get here by yourself, anatomy lesson. And two, God created you to begin with. (laughs) Just in case you were wondering. Okay. God got us here. We didn't. And I feel like that's what he's telling Joshua right here. And Joshua's telling the people, choose this day whom you're going to serve. 
And I like that Joshua says this day because that tells me that it's not a one-time decision that I chose God once, so I'm good to go for the rest of my life. That every single day I say, I choose God. When I'm frustrated, I choose God. When I want to react, I choose God. When I want to be stressed out, I choose God. When I don't know what decision to make, I choose God. Regardless of what I'm going through, when I want to fear, I choose God. When it seems like all hell is breaking loose and everything that can go wrong is going wrong, I choose God. And that it's that bold that every single opportunity, that every, if we have to say it every minute of the day, I choose God. I choose to react based on the spirit of God on the inside of me instead of my flesh. I choose not to react based on how I feel. I choose not to react based on where I'm sitting right now or who I'm going to upset because I'm more concerned about my relationship with Christ than my reputation with people. That's where my concern is. That I say yes to God because I know what he can give me, no one else can. Because I know where he can take me, I can't get myself there. And because I know what he has in store for me is so much bigger than I can ever plan for myself. Why would I not say yes? Choose this day whom you will serve. This day, every single day. The other part of that verse that I want to point out is it says, Joshua says, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. The first thing he says there, if you look up here on the screen or in your Bible, he says, as for me and my house, and then it says, we will serve the Lord. It starts with me. And then the we follows. We read that before when it said your descendants will even follow. But it starts with me. Do I say yes? As for me, I choose to serve the Lord. As for me, I choose to say yes to God. As for me, I will choose you every time. Just like when we started with that dog, that, that dog's going to choose her every time, regardless of what's in her hand. She doesn't even have to have anything in her hand, but he's going to choose her because he has a relationship with her. And that's how I want to be with God. It says, regardless of what it is, I choose you every time. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I have to give up. And I don't have care how uncomfortable it is. I choose you every time. Because I know the goodness of God. And because I know as soon as I say yes, everything within him is going to empower me to be able to do and accomplish what he said. We don't just serve a God that says, say yes and do it on your own. We serve a God that says, I will finish the work that I've started and I'm going to complete it in you. And I'm going to get you there. That's the God we serve. And that's why I'm going to say yes. But it says me and then it says we. So when I choose, I'm saying yes to God, then the we is going to follow me. Then my family will follow me. Then descendants will follow me because I said yes. But if I choose no and I go the other way, the same thing. It starts with me and the we's going to follow. And so it's all about you and it's not about you all at the same time. Fitty fitty. Me. In Matthew, it says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And I feel like that we're at a place where we can be violent about our decision to go, I'm not, I'm not going to play this game anymore. I choose God. In Psalm, it says that I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart, but I know I'm going to see the goodness of God, and I choose God. Regardless of anything else, I choose God, that as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord, that I will choose life, that I will choose good, and I don't care because what it, uh, Paul says, I count it all loss that I may gain Christ. I count it all as loss that I may gain Christ. Because he knew that eternal things are here and temporal things are here. And yeah, I can feel really good over here for a while, but it's all temporal and it's never going to impact me for eternity or my family for eternity or anybody else for eternity. But every decision I make over here is eternal. Everyone will impact somebody for eternity when I say yes this way. This won't. Yes, this will cost me something. 
but compared to the cost of what that will cost me in the long run, it's nothing. I'm saying yes, it says that if you will, um, if you find your, or if you keep your life, you'll lose it, but if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. That I'm not losing anything on the spectrum of what God has. I mean, it's like, you don't want the little kid's cup, but you're going to get the big cup. But if you don't give up the kid's cup, you can't get the big cup. So it's not a scary thing. And sometimes we make it so hard that God just wants to take my stuff away. God just doesn't want me to have any fun. God just wants me. It is more fun doing what he wants to do and walking in his favor and blessing than it could ever be over here. So that's my challenge. That's it. When we say choose, when we say choose, Choose life. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Choose in this circumstance who you're going to serve. Choose in this moment who you're going to serve. Are we going to react with our flesh? Or are we going to say, no, I choose God every time. I don't care what the option is. I choose God. I want whatever you got. And I'm not even going to look this way because I know that I don't care how it looks and it could look so great. But what it is on the spectrum of God is nothing. And I choose God. So choose this day whom we're going to serve. Can we do that, church? Can we do that together, that, that we choose God regardless, that we can be that person that says, I don't care. I choose God. I'm going to choose him every time. And I don't have to understand. I don't have to know how I'm going to get there, and I don't have to know what he's got. I don't have to have all the answers before I can walk that way, but I choose God because I know who he is. And the only way to get there is in a relationship with him. The only way. And it's simple, really, but we can say, you know, we don't have the time. We don't have, it's the most important thing we could ever do is have a relationship with God. And so in, the, in that challenge is get to know God. Get to know who he is. If you don't know where to start, start by thanking him. Because you couldn't be where you are today without him. Start by thanking him. Get to know him. Hang out with him. Read Deuteronomy every day if you have to. That's the God that we serve. We serve a good, good father. Will you stand with me? So the first and most important choice that we could make would be to say yes 